listeners, welcome back to the business of wellness. I am here with the amazing, talented, hilariously funny, and oh so brilliant Jenny Hutt. She is a repeat guest. I'm going to leave her first appearance, link to her first appearance in the episode notes. You can check that out in case you missed it. Otherwise, all I can say, listener, is just enjoy because Jenny is just the best ride. It's just so much fun. I love this episode. I love chatting with Jenny. I I will give a quick trigger warning that we talk about grief a bit at the beginning of the episode. So if you want, you can go ahead and scroll through to the middle of the episode. Um, And I cannot wait to hear what you think. You, As always, you can help out this podcast by leaving a five-star rating and a review wherever you're listening to this right now. And you can find me across social platforms at Jacqueline London RD and at Jacqueline London on TikTok. All right. Enjoy today's episode with Jenny and I'll see you on the other side. Jenny Hutt, welcome back. Welcome back to the business of wellness. Could I be more thrilled to have you here? I really couldn't. Well, I I love what you have turned your show into. Um, I love that it has such a point of view. It's such a good podcast. I thank you so much. I feel like Mm -hmm. I really, I have a lot to thank you for because not only do I owe you for the entire functionality of this, (laughs) I feel I do. I take credit. Uh I take the credit for it. (laughs) I'll I'll embrace that. I'll I'll own it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But also I just feel like I've learned so much from you and from listening to you because you are truly an incredible interviewer and thanks. master of Thank master you. of the microphone. Oh, I think thanks. I might just use that, Jenny. All right, I I'll take it. start using that take master it. of the microphone. That's great. Tell us about you. Tell us what's going on with you. Where are you and yeah. what's happening and what has changed? It's been, it's, I was just telling Jenny off the mic that yeah. it has been one full year since the last time she was on this podcast. So we have a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Oh God. It has been a horrible year, which uh, <laughs> is a great way to start. I've been really trying to be more positive in my life because I've had just a really traumatic couple of years. And and I was thinking the other day, I was actually talking about it in therapy the other day, which I hate when people say that. And there was just, by the way, like a whole report about does therapy even work? And I'm like, oh, great, because this is just, right. just great. But um, <laughs> Please just sometimes I do think insurance you, coverage. Yeah, because sometimes that. I think like when you dwell too much on your stuff, it's not good. Totally. But like you can't not talk about it because like stuff is stuff. How, how are you going to like you can't deny things that go are going on because they'll rear their ugly head in other ways. So when the pandemic hit, the pandemic started, it was a really, in a way for my tiny family, it was a lovely time because my kids were locked in, which for me was just heaven because I'm always worried when Mm -hmm. they're not locked in and they're not, they're adults, so they don't have to be here. And um, so the four of us, my husband, my kids, and I mean, it was just, it was lovely. And then the fall of the pandemic, right after my niece got married, which was lovely, my father got diagnosed with esophageal cancer oh. and he was very, very private about it. So it was it was sort of a flashback to when my mother had been sick 15 years ago with, well now 16 years ago with pancreatic cancer. I had to compartmentalize her illness with my mm-hmm. work and at the time I was still on the air at Sirius XM. So when my dad got sick, the presumption was initially that he was going to be okay because mm-hmm. Um, it was caught early, but he had had cancer 15 years ago as well, or 16 years ago as well, and had survived it. And it was in a similar, he had been radiated in a similar spot to where he required treatment this time around. And so when you've been radiated in, in a similar spot, while they can do the same amount of treatment, the tissue doesn't accept the treatment the same way it did when you had sort of virgin skin mm-hmm. so yeah. or virgin tissue. So 
he had um, both radiation and chemotherapy. And the hope was that it would just knock the thing out. And it was, it, when it works, it's curative therapy. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, because of his history or whatever else, he, it came back. So he, he had gone through this sort of grueling treatment um, from December of 2020 through part of 2021. Mm-hmm. And then he, by the time, wow, it started coming back, I guess, we realized in November it came out. So, so he, he goes through the treatment, starts to get scans, gets a scan like in March. And again, it's really like a flashback to when my mother was sick. Mm. Though my mother, it was, it was really fast. It was like nine months and then she passed away. But with my dad, it was just, he was so private. He was still working. He was still going to meetings and then chemo and then radiation, whatever else. And then in about April or May, he had had a scan and it was fine. But then he started to feel like a pain in his side or his back. And he kept saying that he hurt himself in the gym. And we we're like, I don't know about that, but okay. And he, he, so when the fall rolled around and he still wasn't better and he went to like a sports medicine doctor, they were like, you know, I think maybe you need an MRI. So he gets an MRI and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think you need it. I think you might have a situation. I think like this thing yeah. and it had spread and it was in his rib. And mm-hmm. so then he needed an operation and they took part of his rib out. And then again, the chemo thing. And then, um, so that whole year from sort of around this time of 2021 till he passed away in November of 2022 was just, I mean, my sister and I really were mm-hmm. his primary caregivers and, uh, it was really hard. I mean, so did, his wife was also there, but mm-hmm. my sister and I really, um, a lot of it was just what, what we did. So yeah. when he started to really decline and then, you know, everyone, everyone's like COVID's nothing and COVID's no big deal. And don't worry about COVID. But like, I am, I am certain that COVID hastened his death. He got COVID June of 2022 mm-hmm. and COVID made him really unable to tolerate treatment after mm-hmm. he had COVID. Like that was just kind of the beginning of the end. So um, I watched it. I watched it yeah. happen. So the fact that like, I just know that that's a real thing for anyone who's immunocompromised. It's yeah, do what you want and care about it or don't. But in my experience, I, I watched somebody who would not have died as quickly as he did um, totally. die ultimately because he had gotten COVID amidst all, all the other stuff. And so when he was, so September, he started to go in and out of hospitals because everything was just off. I mean, if you've experienced mm-hmm. cancer and what it does to the body and when people talk about, is it cancer that kills a person or is it the treatment that kills the person? And what is it exactly? And it's sort of the, yeah. the whole metabolic response to cancer that a body has is, which is why recently I had posted something about like, stop asking people about their weight loss. Cause you just don't know, like yes. cancer patients that. often yeah. will lose a ton of weight and without trying it just because totally. they have cachexia and they can't there are these cytokines these things in their bloodstream mm-hmm. that stop them from being able to eat it's like everything yep. is repulsive to them and their appetite right. is, is gone and um very scary to watch and very debilitating mm-hmm. as a caregiver because you keep wanting to keep wanting to give the person yeah. food and they keep rejecting and as much as you tell them you need this it's like their cancer's real insidious and awful and it'll make you think that you can't have you know yeah. it's just a bad thing so any yeah so it was super fun because as he's dying, then I lose my job at Sirius XM. Like I, so, and I can't even talk about my father's illness. So like that's right. all been, as I said, compartmentalized. He was so private. I wasn't allowed to talk yeah. about it. So it was like everything was happening all at once. And then, um, 
And then I lost my job and I knew I was going to launch a podcast, which I did, which is the same name as my radio show. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of threw myself into that November 1st, no, November 14th, 13th or 14th, I put up the first episode Mm -hmm. of 2022. And then my father died 10 days later, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And um, it was just, it still is, I haven't really properly grieved yet because Mm -hmm it's his estate's a mess. I mean, I, there's so many right. things that are not talked about when people die. Oh my God. Thank and, you for saying that. Yes. And uh, that complicate grief. So while you want to grieve the person that you miss and that you love and that you lost, when there's other stuff that emerges and things to find out and things you might not have known or things that are difficult, it really complicates the grieving process. So it's like, you're almost suspended in this weird um, totally. purgatory of not being able to fully feel it because you got to deal with so much other stuff and totally. it's really hard and then life goes on you have to live your life. So yeah, that's pretty much where I've I am. I've never heard of any greater bullshit than people when people like, because it's such a common thing when you lose someone that you're close to that you just think like, how long am I going to have to feel like this? And I remember when my dad yeah. died, it was 2018. And yeah. I remember feeling like, like a, like it was completely delayed for me, not just because of the other things that come up, like yeah. all of the sort of like, um, admin. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, really, the admin's really bad. It's really rough. Time. Yeah. The admin is really rough, but it's also that like, and then on top of that, there's whatever else was going on in your life at yeah. the time. It was like, my book was about to come out and I was like really trying to get that finished and out the door and like actually be able to promote it. But I, I just, I don't think that we talk about this part enough, which I'm so glad you brought it up, which is that like, it really delays the actual process of you being able to have those feelings. So I come back to this thought of like, so many people use this kind of benchmark of like one year and I'm like, one year is bullshit. Total bullshit. I mean, I know for my mother, yeah, it's been 15 years with my mother and I'm still, I can be gutted in in, in one second. And it was a different, you know, with my mom, when my mom died, I had my own stuff to work through with her because the body stuff, she was really, mm-hmm. we had a lot of body trauma. And, yeah. um, but I didn't have the kind of administrative, difficult estate stuff that really was impacting my life and my family the way this is. Yeah. And so it was almost an easier, a, a pu- more pure kind of grieving experience that yeah. I was able, and it still, it still goes on. Whereas yeah. my dad, it's just so messy that there's almost no space for it while I'm sorting things out. There's almost no space to like allow for just feeling sad um, because there's too many other things to deal with at once, but to to tie it into kind of what you do and um, dieting and wellness and weight and all that stuff. When, when I lost my mother, I was really heavy. Mm. And I, so I don't, you know, that I had lost weight. I lost weight a year after she died was when I started dieting. I mean, I can't believe that has become such a polarizing such a word. word, right? Pejorative, polarizing, like everything I bad. I can't believe yeah. that's happened, but it has. And I'm like, stop you. But I started dieting about a year after my mother died. Um, and so when my dad was sick, I, and I knew he was ultimately going to get die. I just remember saying to my husband, like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't be sad, depressed, anxious, and also fat. I was like, I can't, I can't, like have that trifecta. Like I can't have all those things. Like I can, I can have some of so much of you can take on. Yeah. Honestly. And I, and I remember he and I, you know, that kind of macabre laugh, like just yeah. sort of like how dark and ridiculous, but for me also true, because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, for me, for my lifeline and for me to be okay, I have to keep my weight in a certain 
a certain place, not because of the aesthetic of it, though that matters. That's not the impetus, but for my mental state, I can't, I can't deal with the anxiety that that would give me and the added cortisol that that would give me and the worry that that Mm -hmm. would give me about my health with two parents that are dead from cancer. Like there was, Mm -hmm. and, um, and the insanity feeling of it that I, that I wouldn't just like my son says, when my mom died, I just kind of stepped away from life for a year. And I didn't feel like I could do that. Like this time around, I haven't taken any steps back. And it's right. a strange way to live. It's weird. But, um, but I also think that I'm breathing and I'm standing because I've kept myself in kind of a very routine life. Like that becomes my Completely. lifeline. And it's, it's ordered as opposed to disordered. And, yeah. um, and I'm really human in it. I mean, as I, you've heard me say before, like there are days that I'm sort of living optimally and then days where I just can't stop eating and I don't want to move and whatever, you give yeah. yourself grace and, and you sort of keep going. But I'm going to thing- ignore my sister's call. Hold on a second. <laughs> she can come on if she'd like. I mean, we, we can, we're more than happy to have I'm her. Just gonna, I'm just in a recording. Oh, hi, my baby. Oh. I, did Gil look at him? Oh, okay. I'll call you back. I love you. Bye. My my great nephew is just delicious. Yeah. Oh my god. So my sister's daughter's baby Archie is so he's Archie. away from me now. Yes. So my sister was sending me that he was facetiming me with the baby. Oh my god! Baby. I love to hear that. Yeah. I so love to hear anyway, that. so it was just so so it's the sort of opposite mm-hmm. for me of disordered eating. It's very yeah. ordered and healthy for me to take care of myself yeah. the best way I can. The amazing thing and something that I. I loved so much and appreciate so much about you, Jenny, is that I remember at the, I think, you know, and I, I know that this still comes up in uh, plenty mm-hmm. of your episodes and the topic yeah. of grief comes up plenty. But what I loved so much is that in not stepping back, and I don't know if this, if you found this to be super helpful, if you found it to be kind of like, oh, like, I can't believe I have to do this right now. But like the fact that you shared it on the podcast, like that you were talking about the process as it was happening and that you were vulnerable and also expressive, but like honest, like not stupid vulnerable, like just honest about it. I really found that to be such a major inspiration. And I feel like so many others must feel like that. I mean, how was that for you? What was that process like? So look, I think, you know, what's complicated about all this is that I'm grieving, but it's not just me who's experienced this specific loss, right? So I'm part right. of, a, of, a, so of, a, of a family. And right. I have a family group chat with 15 of us, I think, are on it. And mm. my dad used to be on it. So yeah. obviously, he is not mm. anymore. And so grieving kind of openly like that and out loud, I don't think I had any other option. I think that was mm. like, I, I couldn't do the job that I was setting out to do of doing a podcast. And at the time I was doing it daily, I was really losing my mind. Um, I think I had to just stay busy or something. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I don't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious decision really mm-hmm. to share as much as I shared. I just felt like I had a, I don't know. It just came out. So yeah. I won't go back and listen to the episodes uh, because I think I'll probably be yeah. mortified I don't regret doing them because they were raw and in the moment and very real. And, um, and I could probably every day talk about it still and cry, but I realized that, that it does impact people around me and I, I'm really okay. I'm just sad. Yes. So, and I, and I think people started to get a little bit worried and would say things to my husband, like, how are you managing with Jenny? So depressed or whatever. And he's like, 
I'm not depressed because my husband, like it wasn't his fault. Right. And so I, <laughs> you know, also, just like, yeah. like I, I think of that as a gift, like that you were yeah. able to share that. I think that's something that so many more people need to normalize. Yeah. Just the talking about it, just the fact yeah. that like we all have to, sadly, unfortunately, we hopefully most of us will be privileged enough right. to lose our parents first. Like that right. is like something that, that it's is a privilege. Like, that's right. A deep privilege. Right. So we will all go through that at some point. So it's, it's a little crazy to me to think of people being like, like a not necessarily understanding yeah. sort of the fact that it can be one part of your life and that can be a huge part of your life mm -hmm. and therefore make you very sad and make you feel like shit in the in a moment I mean, and processing yeah. it sort of in public almost is actually so helpful to people like i just wish i had had more resources like that yeah. when i was going through it too so i can only imagine how many people you helped simply by sharing yeah i mean i i hoped so i mean i did yeah. feel like and i do feel like normalizing grief and just normalizing emotion is, yeah. I, I kind of think where where we should be because um, we all feel things, and as much as people want to kind of gloss over and pretend that they don't, I, I mm. don't know. If you're a woman over forty, you're mm. having rage, you're having sadness, you're having boredom, you're having frustration, you're having anxiety, you're having happiness, sure, enjoy, sure. But mm. I think so many of us have have it's a hard time. It's a it's a it's a harder time in a woman's life. I feel like, like yeah. that space between 40 and like 55, it can yeah. be really challenging. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I've never felt like I, it's somebody, my friend, Erica always talks about how can I add value? Like she says about herself, like, how can I add value wherever she is or wherever she goes and whatever she does. And Love I that. think like the way that I can add value to, to anybody really is just by being open and how difficult life is. And it, yeah, it it doesn't matter what kind of house you live in, and it it doesn't matter any. And also, you never really know what's going on with people. Like, mm. there were so many presumptions and just crazy oh, shit I, after my dad died that people just assumed. And it was like, I don't want to also have to like, yeah, like go through all of this crap for, for someone else. Like, I don't. Yes, like, why I, do the, I have to explain the, myself? <laughs> Amazing thing about you know, grief that yeah. still makes me laugh a little bit is like, like I will, like I'll share this one, this one little anecdote that I, that's it, so personal, but like says so much. Like I, I remember someone wrote this obituary about my dad in, that ran somewhere, whatever it was, it, it was, um, Herb wasn't without his idiosyncrasies. Now, this is very true. Like, this is totally spot on. But the rationale behind it was yeah. so, so deeply off. So he was yeah. like, Herb wasn't without his idiosyncrasies. Oh, boy. Texting or emailing with him, he would often get a one-word answer. My, my dad never entered. He had a BlackBerry. Then he had an iPhone. Yeah. And he never knew. He communicated with unicorn emojis sometimes. Like, it wasn't an idiosyncrasy. He just did not know how That's to do more did. on his right. phone sure. than actually answer your email. Sure. With. But I understand. Like, it was just such a funny thing to see this person from the outside being like, I wrote him this entire essay email and all I got back was one sentence. <laughs> right. Because that's how he knew how to do it. Right. He didn't do it. Yes. He no, I, no I get it. it. Yeah. And he thought of it as such bullshit to have to learn how to type. You know what I mean? No, I... Are you it, kidding? I've yes. And it's like, you know your dad and you knew... Yes. And right. for better or for worse, like you knew your father. And that's, I guess for me, because my dad had a public presence yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, when somebody writes the things that they wrote were all true. Like my dad was nah. an incredible, uh, 
businessman in the music business. And he, you know, he's a legend in the music business and, um, but he wasn't without flaws and he was my dad. And so like, I don't know, it was such an incomplete story that was told by people who didn't really know him, only knew one side of him. And so that was also kind of tough to, to reckon with because it was like, I don't know, people were just thinking that it was just weird. Like people thought that he died and somehow that that would mean that like I got all this money and, so, and I was like there's just, I didn't like you're all thinking a if whole I did, different like story where it is right like you're all thinking there's like this crazy right. story that that doesn't exist yeah. and that's fucking creepy yeah. and um you know no, no one's yeah. fucking business is well it's also not anybody's business but right. when but when that happens and people are, are writing things to me like oh she's sad because she has to stare at the mansion she grew up in because I live next door to the house I grew up in I'm like what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm selling that. Like, what? This is not, there's no fun here. And so people are just, they're not, it's like some of us will show up really open Mm -hmm. in our stuff. And then, um, but we have to contend with other people's presumptions about who we are. And it's, it's a strange, the internet's a weird place. It really is. It yeah. really is. Before we go, before we yeah. get into that, because I have many things to ask you on that topic, yeah. but before we get into that, can you, were, were there any things besides the sort of open processing? I'd like yeah. to ask people this who have been through it, because sure. I feel like anyone else who is listening right now that might be going through it in any capacity needs some tools. And I feel like I only now sort of have an eye for what those tools are. Like what yeah, are what were they? Yeah. Me. So what did help you? My, so my friend Jess Cording, who was on the podcast yeah, uh, I know Jess. a number yeah. of months ago, right. Yeah. She wrote a book that is something I wish I had. I genuinely, I blurbed the book and I genuinely wish I stand by it, which is I genuinely wish I had had this guy. Yeah. Like when my dad was called the caregivers. I don't, oh God, I don't want to. She went through a bunch of stuff, right? She, yes. Just like, right awful. This guide that was really from the perspective of like the nitty gritty tactile things that you actually, that no one really tells you about when you're in the position of being a caregiver. Mm. I found that I just found like the chapters, like the structure, the way that she wrote the book to be super useful. And like, there's a lot of really practical information, like things you need to bring in a hospital bag, like stuff like that, that I found to be really useful. Yeah. I also love this website, Modern Grief. I love their Instagram presence. I love their their content. Yeah. I read that book. They, they also wrote a really good book. Yeah. Yes. Rebecca Sofer. Yeah. Yes. What she's gone through, man. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, so like those are two that I think now are ones that I would recommend to anybody, but what, mm-hmm. what else have you found? Are there other tools that you found out there that, that worked for you or that have helped you so far? Yeah. So, um, I found, I'm not religious, but yeah. at all I'm Jewish, but not religious, but, mm-hmm. um, Steve Lee leader, he's a rabbi out of Beverly I Hills. Love, I was literally just looking at him this morning. A, I love him. He's a really good guy. So his wife had been a fan of my radio show for many years. And yeah. through her, I had met him when his first book had come out. She was like, will you have my husband on this oh. is going years ago? And for whatever reason, I just, I just knew that he would understand the complexity of what I was going through. I'm going yeah. to cry. Oh. And he was so really kind. So amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. He was just a few different times. He's been, mm-hmm. um, he just distills it down in a way that's very, uh, very fair and yes. and that Perfect not work. religious at all he's kind mm-hmm. of not i mean he's jewish he's a rabbi right. <laughs> but his his take on grieving and death and life and stuff is is almost it's pragmatic and it's honest and um and i think that i think that 
best advice I can give to anybody who's going through a loss, an impending loss, grieving, whatever, mm-hmm. is you just have to let yourself have whatever are the feelings that you have because they're not wrong. They're not incorrect. They're going to change all the time. Mm-hmm. And what he said to me was like, people are pretty much the same in life as they are. Mm. They're the same in death as they are in life. Like they die the way they lived. And if you really think about it, that pretty much does track. Even when you find out things about somebody you didn't necessarily know while they were alive, you'll see it really does kind of track. And um, Mm. just to know that you have to be, you got to be kind to yourself in whatever that you're feeling like zero judgment, because again, our bodies respond to grief. It's almost beyond our control. Like there's no rationalizing your way out of feeling it and out of processing it the way you're going to process it because grief is so deep in our bodies. There's a, there's a book that I just picked up called the, it's called heartbreak and it's, I think it's called heartbreak and it's like the science of heartbreak. And I might be getting the title incorrect, Mm -hmm. but the author is Florence William, mm-hmm. and and she's a science writer. Mm-hmm. And her marriage, her, her, she got divorced after like 25 years of marriage. And this book is about her heartbreak and from the lens of a scientist. So she went across the globe and met this. all yeah. these people who talked about the science of heartbreak, whether it was heartbreak from a spouse, heartbreak from a partner, heartbreak from the death of a child or a family mm-hmm. member or loss of a job, whatever it was. And um, the body really reacts in profound ways. So you got to give yourself grace and understanding that you're not making it up. You're not hysterical. There's nothing wrong with you for how you're reacting or processing. That is your body's actual way of doing it. And um, really, that book, I just started it. It's a fascinating read. There's like, there are people who literally have cardiac arrest from heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And there's a specific name for it. And of course, I can't remember it because I don't remember things after I see them. But it's this thing that the heart stops, like the rhythm stops. Yeah. And it's different from a regular heart attack, but it, it yeah. is a heart attack. And many people survive it. Some people don't. I mean, it's really a, when you're heartbroken, you're actually heartbroken. Yeah, so. that's really so amazing. That's yeah. such good info. So we've got Steve Leader. We have the science yeah. heartbreak. Yeah. I really, I totally agree. I really feel like it's such a good word that you used to call it, to call him fair. Yeah. He is he's such a fair minded person and so yeah. rational and just really profound. I also have found a lot of comfort in yeah. some of his work and I feel like I need to check out the science of heartbreak. That's so interesting. It's a really, it's a really compelling book. Let us, let us bring yeah. a little levity to this. Oh, podcast. certainly. You betcha. Mm-hmm. Bring back a little levy. Yes. But staying on theme, Jenny, staying yeah. on brand for Jenny yeah. Hutt yeah. would be to talk about your 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 life on social media. Because yeah. I came across something because I always like to do a little checkup on people coming on this podcast. I gotta do a check-in and yeah. I saw um some dietitians coming for you. And that upset me. Yeah, sometimes they do. <laughs> I don't even know which day. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. You've told me about this. You I love that you say that your response Jenny's response. I don't even know which day. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I just don't even care anymore. It's so stupid that I just, it me very oh, much. I just got blocked by a dietitian recently, actually. Honestly, it's a badge of honor. Uh, she had posted something like a video about Ozempic 
And what I really think is that she's scared because a lot of dietitians are scared they're going to yes, lose their business. I'm, I'm, because I'll be honest, I'm yeah. scared of this too, but I also see a Whatever. major reason why I get I it. It's, it's, yeah. By the way, it's fair and, and mm-hmm. anyone can articulate that. And really the counterpoint to that is people need dietitians more than ever because if you're consuming fewer calories, yeah. you want those calories yeah. to be the right calories. Nutritious. And you don't want to be have nutrition. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, and none of us know how to eat anyway. So like the real job of the dietitian is to teach. Right. Totally how to eat, agree. like totally whatever, agree. like nutrients yeah. and stuff, like it matters. So, but, so she, she did a whole thing about it and I wrote so, and I commented and she just was so furious about my comment that she DM me and then we went back and forth. And so, but yeah, people, people come for me all the time, um, dietitians and I, I don't care because I know my, like, I know my North star with the whole exercise, diet, nutrition thing. And that is just that I want people to know that they can find their way. And if that involves- And it may not be your way, that's okay too. Correct. Oh, it won't be my way. It shouldn't be my way. Like I think have all the help you can get. I think the new medications are fantastic for those they're meant for. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I can't begin to tell you who they're meant for and who they're not meant for because I'm not a freaking doctor. But like (laughs) you can go consult with an obesity medicine specialist and they'll tell you a licensed doctor and they'll tell you what's right. I think registered dietitians are phenomenal. I want to mm. learn how to eat better all the time. I get mm. actually confused about food. Like I literally will yeah. get all jumbled up about what should I be eating because there's so much noise yes. that I'll be like, wait, should I have this? Should I have this? Should I have this? And why do I have that over there? You know, like, cause there's so much information that I could find myself in front of the fridge saying, all right, I want a turkey sandwich, but maybe I'll just have chickpeas and turkey and some vegetables and get the carbs from that because bread is bad. And then I'm like, but bread isn't really bad. Like all of that stuff. There's so much crap out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I really just want people to feel good in their bodies, however they have to get there. Like, Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And so I do fight with people just about, and really I don't fight. They fight with me. I just kind (laughs) of whatever, because yes, it just became it became a bad thing to care about our bodies and it became a bad thing to like want to fit into your clothing and, um, and to be upset if you don't. And that's just weird. I I just, I, what I can stand about this and I know you know where I'm coming from on this. What I can stand about it is that it is meant to be a non-judgmental profession. Right. And therefore having an opinion and having other people's opinion, even if they're not at your level of expertise or whatever, it can still be a very real, real, it's still someone else's experience, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I, I don't love the idea of putting down someone else's very real experience. Now I say that, and I'm thinking about a video that I made of this woman that I'm sure you saw, Jenny, this woman that was like eating the mustard, dipping her crudite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the, the crudite and the sausage and the mustard I'm and the cottage that this cheese. Is a cure, saying this was a cure for Lyme disease. And I'm oh, like, that this, one I didn't see. This is where I have to draw the line. That's you know fair. I mean? People yes. can have their own experiences and you want to do your own yes. things that work for you, for your way. I completely no, understand. that's irresponsible. When it co- right, and when it comes to a yeah. medical diagnosis and saying no. that something's medical, no, 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 what it's no, not, I'm no, like, no, no, no. Here's where I'm drawing it. Oh, yeah. No, and that's <laughs> not, yeah, I would never, I always say I'm not a doctor and I'm not a dietitian. I've just, I've just been around the block. So like exactly. I, you're, it's your own experience that yeah. you're sharing. Yeah. And I've interviewed enough experts that I have yeah. information and I'm researched. I mean, I don't ever 
say that I, I don't ever spread misinformation. I'll totally. say like, I don't know about this or I do know about this, but check yeah. with a freaking licensed medical provider. Like that's, that's the thing yeah. that I love. The thing that I love about this Jenny, like is your transparency and full candor about this. So what, so something I just wanted to applaud you on, just take a moment and just yeah. applaud you on is the fact that you, that I remember you did this when you were at Sirius that you did the weight Wednesday. Yeah. Always weight Wednesday. Yeah. And I love that you continue that. And I love sure. it because instead of falling for this bullshit of wellness Wednesday, which is mm-hmm. literally all over the internet, yeah, Jenny no. was like, no, I'm sticking to my guns on. Yeah. I'm calling it what it is, which yes. is it's actually about weight. And granted, your topics range. So you're always sure. talking real more holistic. Yeah. But your point is to like actually be real about what we're talking about here. It's not just about, you know, like meditating on a lotus leaf. Like sometimes there actually may need to be some real outcomes and some real intervention. And you have some really serious experts on every Wednesday to, to talk about. I have one coming up talking about lipedema. It's fascinating. Ooh. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Cause that's new for me. I don't really know about lipedema and I'm very, very curious. It's a, it's a, there is an intersection with lipedema and obesity, but they're different. Yeah. And there are people misdiagnosed with obesity who have lipedema and I guess vice versa. It's really, really interesting. And it's not fully accepted by everybody in the medical community, Mm -hmm. but where it's, I mean, there are people who are, you have to have surgical interventions, like this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's coming up, but you're right. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to pander to bullshit. I'm not, I'm not. If somebody wants to lose weight, they want to lose weight. And the fact is people right. are tuning into to my weight Wednesdays on my podcast because yeah. I bring experts that are there helping people regulate their weight, manage their weight. However you yeah. want to talk about it, it does involve their freaking weight because yeah. for somebody who does want to lose weight, which is mm-hmm. a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to go with numbers, but if somebody is significantly over the number that they and their doctors or whatever yes. have decided is the yeah. right number for their bodies, then they, for whatever reason, need to lose weight. Like that's just, Weight Watchers like lost a ton of business because they tried to rebrand it as not involving weight. Oy. It, I mean, please trust me. I was there for it. Right. I mean, it's like, sorry. It's just, yeah. that's a, weight yeah, sometimes I mean, matters. It's not the only metric, but it sometimes matters. But it it also really says something to the marketing of it all that I is something I'm consistently fascinated by, right? Mm. Is that that's why I appreciated you calling it Weight Wednesday is because it's not marketing. It's just saying it like it is. Right. You have to call it something. You need it you know, yeah, I mean, to clarify yeah. the theme. You've got to yeah. call it something, right? Yeah. But, but to your point about Weight Watchers, that's a perfect example. It's like when we don't actually have a definition of wellness. Like at least they were unwilling to create a definition and that would have been really powerful, right? Like if they wanted to take it beyond weight, then creating a real meaningful definition that, that was actually grounded in evidence and publishing that on their website, which was actually something I was really keen on and worked on at the time that they would not do. Right. Um, and I, I think that's part of part of it is challenges being a publicly traded company, but like uh, in other parts, it's the problem of being an enormous organization with so many competing interests, and like you always felt like you were stepping on it. someone's yeah. foot by doing anything. And I get it. Like with everything, look, I understand, and we talked about this a little bit on my mm-hmm. podcast. Like I understand the threat, the medications pause to people, yeah. you know, that the the that the threat that they pose to, I should say, to 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 people in the wellness industry or in the diet business. But I think people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater because I don't think anybody is saying 
that you should take one of these meds and then like not work on habits and health. Yeah. It's not- Or lose weight for your cousin's wedding and then forget it. it. You know? Yeah, it's not right. I don't, I don't think anybody is saying, I think yeah. I think just the opposite. I think it's actually giving people an opportunity to do what they want to do, to learn to eat in a better way for their bodies and to regulate mm. their intake that really jives with their body. Like that, that they maybe will learn how to actually eat and their brains won't get in the way of their executing on what they want to do because the medications are helping them. So totally. it's just, to me, I don't know, like, I think you'd want to learn how to eat a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, or mm. however you want to set up your day and ha have the right amount of protein and have the right vegetables and whatever. Yeah. It's just, I think people are so concerned with the business side of it, which yes. is what your whole thing is, that yeah. they're kind of forgetting what got them into it to begin with. Cause I don't, I don't think Absolutely. most registered dietitians get into it for the money. I mean, like, no, sadly we do not. not. That, <laughs> right. No, I know one of my dear friends, Vanessa Rosado is amazing. She, yeah. and I crack up. She's like, I mean, anyone who wants to go into being a dietitian, like it's a no win. It's like, no win. I, I right. really, I think, I mean, I think about it all the time. I was just texting with a friend this morning that we went to graduate school together um, also, and as did Vanessa, and we just text back and forth about all the things, like some days we'll just text like physician in right. neurosurgery, like all of the things, yeah. all of the other areas that we could have gone to school for that. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> funny. It's very money. funny, right? Because it's just a weird, but I don't think, <laughs> but I think this idea that there's like uh, almost a, um, a profession wide panic over yeah. these meds is but just not being talked about jenny that's the worst part it's, it's lacking like creativity too because like yes there's so much for you to do still i couldn't i couldn't agree first of all right. i couldn't agree with that more and and as much as like i have on one side of my sort of chest of feeling like i have fear about certain sure. components of this on the other side of it i feel very much like this is the opportunity of a yeah. lifetime and these medications have been around since at least for someone my age yeah i i I learned about all of these in school. Like these are diabetes. They're not that new. I, I mean, know. they've been around for diabetes. So right. like I learned about all the, like nothing is really that new about them. The fact right. that, the way that they're being used is new and that's interesting and something yeah. worth looking at. But the fact that the idea that they're new and haven't been here is just false, which I know, you know, um, or the people who are like, mean, how could anybody take this without diabetes? Yes. I'm like, but Wagovi's meant for people without diabetes. I mean, it's the same medication as Ozempic, but it's Completely. branded for overweight Completely. or obesity rather than diabetes. So that argument doesn't even work because that's what the doctors are using it for. Where do you think this comes from? I mean, this kind of like the craziness about like not wanting to help. Well, I don't want to say help, but not, not wanting to embrace the idea that perhaps other people could very realistically be going through this because my, yeah. my biggest pet peeve about this. And also I ask you about it because I feel like in some ways I'm just too close to it. In other ways I can be really academic about it, but yeah. I need more opinions on it. Bottom line is that I, I just can't for the life of me understand that when you get into this profession to help people, not treating people for where they are sometimes mm -hmm. is really doing someone a disservice, you know? So I, I wonder what your take on this is as someone. So who's look, really I lived had, it. I had an experience when I was, I was 34, 35, and I had, I had gone, so maybe I'd start going to this person when I was like 33. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, she was a dietitian, but like a dietitian who worked from like a therapy perspective, I don't think she's the worst, but I walked into her <laughs> office and I was very overweight. I was 
probably, I mean, I was, I had obesity or class yeah. back then. We just called yeah. it classified as obese. And yeah. I couldn't look at a number on a scale. And I remember saying to her, like, I'm coming to you because I just don't want to gain any more weight. I just can't, I just can't gain yeah. any more weight. I just don't want to gain any more weight. And, um, sure enough, while I was under her care, I gained like 30 pounds and I didn't, she was weighing me backwards, yeah. uh, with my ears covered. Cause yeah. you know, when you're crazy, you're crazy. And yeah. I remember she didn't tell me I had gained weight until I had like lost some of the weight, but I was like over 200 pounds. I mean, every mm -hmm. threshold that I was never supposed to cross over under her care, I had crossed over in the wrong direction. And, um, I, I remember being so disappointed and disheartened and, um, angry. Mm. And I left, it was the heaviest I've been in my whole life. And I remember I left her and I just was like, I, this, I got to do this on my own. Like, I can't, yeah. this is not the kind of support that, that I need. And, um, and I left, and this is to your point about not meeting somebody where they are. Yeah. Because I left and I went to either a Weight Watchers or like mm -hmm. a diet center kind of place. Mm -hmm. And I lost 10 pounds really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I just started changing. My, like it was just, I just had to. And I ha didn't lose the amount of weight that I needed to lose long term. But I got myself out of like that really crazy weight. And then my mother had got sick and passed away. And that, you know, mm -hmm. caused the scale to go in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. But I just remember feeling like, wow, I was so not heard. Like she was so consumed yeah. with this concept of, of healing my, I don't know what, but in my case, I really had to lose weight. So right. there's, I don't know why there are practitioners who are so stuck mm -hmm. in their own philosophy that they can't get out of their own way to actually help the person do what that person needs. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a very upsetting and disheartening experience. I, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why you go in that profession if not to, because like we've talked about too, not every person who goes on a quote unquote diet is then eating disordered and um, mm -hmm. like calorie reduction and calorie deficits are 100% necessary for weight mm -hmm. loss. So mm -hmm. how are, how is somebody going to lose weight if there's not, some calorie deficit, AKA some restriction of something. You and know, that doesn't better, mean, yeah, you better be restricted, only eat your veggies. It means like, maybe you don't eat the whole cake. Like that's right. right. Why is that bad? You bring up such a good point about this because it really, what it makes me think about is that so many of these commercial diet programs mm -hmm. like the Weight Watchers mm -hmm. and the Jenny Craig's and the, you know, Nutrisystems, Noom and all of these yeah. others, their main flaw, and, and I wonder if this has something to do with some of the patterns of disordered eating that come yeah. from some of the, actually, honestly, in my opinion, the older models of some of these yes, approaches totally. more so than the present ones. Yes. Although I, I don't want to generalize, like, obviously there's going to be some people that become disordered from sure. the current versions of these. I, so I don't sure. want to dismiss that, but more so, I think, especially when people talk about Weight Watchers, having worked there, I can I can see that a lot of where that's coming from is some of the old practices and some of the sure. things that would happen in the meetings. And, Absolutely. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. 
That aside, it makes me think that so much of what then becomes disordered is so much a part of just complete confusion because what these programs don't do, what they all have in common is that they don't teach you how to eat for your body. They don't really teach you about nutrients. They don't teach you about proteins, fats, and carbs. Like there's no actual nutrition knowledge that goes into any of these programs, which leaves them rife for confusion, misinformation, people interpreting things their own way, which can range in and go in 20,000 different directions, right? Yeah. There's just so many issues that come from that that I don't know that they're necessarily the calorie deficit or or the, you know, the idea of change in in itself, right? I wonder if it's really just the fact that these things, these ways of eating make it very confusing to know what's what. The thing that it also reminds me of is that I, I used to get so stuck on and frustrated by the products, the food products that Weight Watchers still makes. And, and I still and frustrated I loved by them. them. Yeah, I loved them. So, and I remember the they one delicious. thing I, loved, I remember yeah. is yeah. <laughs> more really so delicious. Yeah. When they decided to change to become no artificial ingredients, right? And this was like such a big promise. And I remember it was like 2016, 2015, something like that. And it's such bullshit because this is such a meaningless marketing term, no artificial ingredients, right? So in order to get to quote unquote, no artificial, there's so much crap that then had to go into these that they were devoid of any actual food. So like they started missing the actual food. It was just ingredients. And and the way I see it, yeah, I mean, I actually, I think Weight Watchers is in a really interesting place right now. And I really enjoyed watching their evolution to yeah. embrace, it's fascinating. you know, it's, because it's fascinating, fascinating even though and, I'm not there. Right. Partnering with Joint Sequence and that mm-hmm. whole bit and being the first of these commercial brands, not the only one anymore, but the first, mm-hmm. I mean, Noom's doing it too, to partner with companies that will bring obesity medicine therapies to people, um, pharmaceuticals. I think it's, it's wild and exactly right because mm-hmm. like with many other diseases, some people will require medication. Other people won't. Yes. So when more. people mm-hmm. get mad, like how could Weight Watchers say that their diet would work when now they're offering meds? And I'm like, well, their diet will work for some people. Their yeah. diet has worked for me several times over. Now, yeah. did it work every time the same way? Did I gain it back? Did I? Sure, because I'm human and that's the problem with all dieting anyway. That's mm-hmm. it's, There's never mm-hmm. like, as we've said, there's never an end. Like you have to keep mm-hmm. going. But like, if I actually follow my points and I eat the way that's recommended, that they mm-hmm. recommend, then it then it works. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing. Diets do work. They're just really hard to stay on. And like yeah. you just said, it's really hard to be nutritionally dense and realize, right. like, you know, learn about things unless you're, yeah. you're intellectually curious as you are, right. who would then take it from there and then be like, let me learn a little bit more about that. I'd like right? to and understand not everyone, that. Right. right. Not everyone wants but, that. But just like everything else, I don't think anyone is saying that everybody requires yeah. medication because everybody doesn't. Yeah. But for those who do, let them have it. <laughs> I totally agree. I get the, the anger. It's I just, agree. I'm, right. yeah. I'm upset about the anger. I, I, let me, let me rephrase I'm, that. I'm not upset about the anger. I'm yeah. upset about the anger directed at you. Come for Jenny. I'm coming for you. Oh, okay? yeah. I don't even <laughs> care about it. So it's a stupid, I, I, it's just so like, it's actually, it's hilarious. It actually makes me laugh because it's just, I can't do anything right. And that's okay. Like for the people who want to just hate me or be mad at me because I eat sprinkles or potatoes or cottage cheese or whatever, go for it. Fine. Okay. 
on this, that. two things yeah. I've seen recently that we have to talk about. Number yeah. one is baked potato cottage cheese toast. <sighs> so Watched your video this morning, <sighs> salivated a little Delicious. bit, placed an Instacart order for baked potato. Because <laughs> it's that good. Because you take the baked potato, <laughs> you wash it, you poke it with fork, you coat it in olive oil spray this. and salt. You put it in your oven at 425 for however long it takes, an I'm hour, 90 it, minutes. People. It's like crunchy on the outside, fluffy on the inside. <laughs> Often a whole baked potato is too much because it's my potatoes are the size of my head. So you slice it in half and then you put as much cottage cheese as you want. I like Mrs. Dash because I have salt mm. on the potato already. So I don't need the extra salt. So I use like lemon pepper Mrs. Dash on my cottage cheese on the potato and it's out of control. It's really that good. And I love Mrs. Dash, but yeah. I also love what you did there. I love the combo of those two things because I often find you can't get enough salt on a potato, but then, then I go overboard. It's too right. much. You know what? Like a pretzel you potato. go overboard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. Right. All right. Let's talk about sprinkles for a second. Yeah, they're good. The other night, so the other night I had a dinner that I had to go to on Sunday night and I don't ever, I rarely go out on Sunday nights anyway. And and on weekends, I don't go out with my husband for the most part, whatever. And so, yeah. but I had to go to a thing and my husband, and my son were home. And they had ordered in dinner. And so on my way back, it was early enough that I was like, I'm going to get ice cream for everyone because also I really wanted ice cream. And so I went to Carvel and I got- The best of the best, in my opinion. the best. And I- better than Carvel. And and by the way, everyone's like, oh, well, you will will you only have the Carvel Lite or what Carvel Lite they call it. It used to be called Thinny Thin. LOL. Um, really? Yeah. Carvel, the light ice cream used to be called Thinny Thin. It's that not is anymore, an LOL, obviously. Right. But, yeah. uh, but the, the difference in calories is very minimal. Like a kitty cup yeah. of Worth. Carvel ice cream is 170 calories. It's like the McDonald's ice cream cone. Yeah. None, they're, not that, they're not that calorie dense. It's fine. So I was getting- And they're a great source of calcium, as and I like to remind people. Delicious. Yeah. So and I was delicious. getting vanillas and chocolates, and then I got a cup of the- rainbow sprinkles and a cup of the chocolate sprinkles. And so I brought it home and I made, it's only my, it was only my daughter wasn't home. So it was my son, my husband and me. So obviously nobody cares who eats what, cause it's just one little family with one fridge that everyone's drinking out of the same drinks. Like right. it's where we live. And to make everybody their ice cream. And then I was looking at the sprinkles and I was like, I just want to eat the sprinkles. So that's where mm-hmm. I had made that TikTok. Cause then I was like, literally yes. you put your tongue in the sprinkles. And just eat the sprinkles. Oh my the sprinkles. god, yes! Because they're sprinkles and they're delicious. And they're um, little bits of joy, people. They're I mean, little what bits else of joy. Are sprinkles. <laughs> yummy. They're just yummy. <laughs> so then I was like, "That's what I posted that video because I was like, well, some people would be like, what? How could you just eat the sprinkles? Just be pour them on your ice cream just a little bit.' And I'm like, a little bit, a little bit. Ice cream's the vehicle know. for the sprinkles. I completely agree. I mean, I, yeah. I do believe as you as you so eloquently put it, there are two types of people in the world. There are okay. people who believe that that sprinkles are that the yeah. ice cream is the vehicle for sprinkles yeah. and people who don't right correct <laughs> that correct that's just how better. it is yeah so yeah mm. most people are on board some people are like sprinkles are the worst i'm like okay good more my me. favorite thing is by the way that i'm still getting is that when i was on jenny's uh podcast a number oh, i want to say a number of weeks ago i think it was last week whatever yeah. <laughs> time what is time yeah I love that people really seem to have opinions. Now, Jenny posted a clip that was about um, dark chocolate versus milk chocolate. Oh, I am yeah. fully on board with Jenny that most people would prefer milk chocolate, but have like either convinced themselves that dark chocolate is there is better for you and therefore that it's the one that you should eat. But I also think that outside of the health-related yeah. ha- halo that dark chocolate has, I think it's also... 
like an elevated food persona. It is. is to like have oh like this dark chocolate is totally. high. Totally. The people yes. commenting are like, I love my dark chocolate. Of course. Oh, they're fancy. You're a hundred percent right. The noble like to eat it's very the noble. dark chocolate. Yeah. But, and by the way, I'm going to get shade because I have like, I partnered with a product um, called Jojo's, which makes really mm-hmm. lovely candy and these pretzels and they have like um they they do good work for cancer and cancer survivors and they have family members and and that's all very near and dear to me and also like yes i eat much more milk chocolate than i do dark chocolate but dark chocolate can be good on certain things like it's not it has a time and a place yeah and people get mad about everything like you eat one cereal and then you talk about a different one and all of a sudden you're a bad person because you like two cereals it's we really need help. We I all know. Need so and much like help, I know? grew up putting four cereals in one bowl. Like oh I grew up God, mixing and matching forever. Oh, like, like five cereals in the house. So whatever. That you of course. Go for whatever your flavor of was of the day. Of course. Yes. Oh, that God. was there was Count Chocula and Booberry and do you remember those? I miss so I much really nutrition. Miss and Sam, number right. one. And I missed Tony the Tiger, number yes, two. I would yes. Yes. I are two folks I haven't flakes. seen in a while. Frosted Flakes the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. Good. All right, Jenny, I've got to let you go. So before I do, I have to ask yeah. you our final question yeah, of this for podcast, which is what is the most bullshit, stupid wellness oh. thing that you have seen either online or in your life in, let's say, let's say 2023 so far? Oh, I got to think about this. Oh, my gosh. Um, it is a tough question. It's really hard because there's there's i mean there's just endless content out there there is endless content out there um you know what i think the biggest bullshit thing that i've seen is that um one of anything is going to kill you yes like that thing is just and every day it's something new whether it's erythritol Mm. or it's aspartame or it's sugar yes like it's So what are you supposed to do? Right. You can't have sugar. You can't have artificial sugar. You can't have a sugar alcohol. And also you can't have fruit. That's the other thing. Fruit Fruit Fruit. as a carcinogenic. Killing me. That is killing me. That is what will take me down eventually. Yeah. (laughs) And then also I think the, uh, and then, oh, I know what also bothers me. Um, And I think it's really 2023 kind of centric or 2022, 23 is the fear mongering around food in general. Like there's that movie that's out now poisonous um, and I yeah. haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched and it I'm yet. I'm trying either. to not watch it because I know it's going to stop me from eating for a while because I'm going to get so freaked out and I don't and I think like self-care tells me not to to watch it cuz I get turned off right. by things very easily by the power of suggestion even though it's not actually harmful which is why the internet is so dangerous because the power of suggestion is so strong that even in the face of reason you yes. can't like you know like I gave it being yes. raisins cuz I read that they had larvae in them. And I gave up eating strawberries for like three years because of the things online that had worms like coming out of strawberries. Yeah. Like, yes. I was like, I don't need any don't more need food aversions. So no. that aren't, no. you know, so I try I to like stay away from the it. Self-care, I like your self-care angle here. I feel yeah. like I am going to have to watch this so that you don't have to, listeners. You are going to have to watch it because it's your business. <laughs> I don't have to watch it. Like you actually do. I don't. You do. You don't. Lucky and me. I don't want you to. No, but you do. Jenny, Thank you so much for being here. Where can people Thanks. find you and find you online and yeah. where can they listen to your podcast? So the podcast is just Jenny, like my, just Jenny with Jenny Hutt. And on Mondays, I have just a random guest. Wednesdays are Wait Wednesday. So it's always a weight-themed mm-hmm. show with a weight-themed guest. And then Saturdays are with my sister. So I, they that. drop three days a week. And um, and then on Instagram, I'm just Jenny Hutt. And TikTok, I'm at Jenny Hutt. 
Love it. Cannot yeah. thank you enough. Thank you for being here, Jenny. You're thank the best. Thank you for having me. It's always good to see you. You're just, you're just the greatest. So. Thanks so much for listening to The Business of Wellness. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Remember that advice provided on this podcast is based on my application of research and practice as a registered dietitian and should not replace medical advice provided by your physician. If you like what you're listening to, please follow the show, leave a five-star rating, and share something you love from today's episode by leaving a review. This podcast only grows with your support. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it far and wide, it may be the one thing someone needs to hear to start building that roadmap today to secure a healthier, happier future. That's it for now. So until next time, cheers.